Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Cleveland Guardians 2, the Detroit Tigers nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, hey, it worked. Uh, we won, but what a bizarre game this was. Unlike, unlike anything I've ever seen uh, in a baseball game before. You've never seen one like this. Uh, Shane Bieber pitches an absolute gem, but he can only do it once a runner is on base. And then he turns into Cy Young Bieber again. Uh, 2020 Bieber, as soon as a runner reaches base. Uh, with the bases empty, he's an average pitcher. Unbelievable. You know, my wife uh, literally asked me this today. She was like, do you run out of things to say, like, doing this every day? And I, I was like, no. I was like, this, each game is so unique, is so weird and interesting, especially this season. Uh, no, think about how strange and bizarre this game is. Uh, no, there's there's so much to say about this one. So we're going to get into it. We're going to dive into the storylines of this game because that's what we do on this show and if you're enjoying it, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to ask that I got for you, morning people. Number one, fill up that inbox. Come on now, Mornings at gmail.com. I know there's plenty of you out there listening that we I haven't heard from yet. Uh, take the time if you're at work, you know, if you're home from work, whatever, uh, first thing in the morning, uh, shoot off a quick email. Let me know what you're thinking right now, how you're feeling about this team, how you're feeling about the game, about Shane Bieber as the ace of our staff. Uh, hit me up and let me know. Again, Mornings at gmail.com. We're making a big push this year to challenge you morning people to fill up that inbox. And the other thing, if you have another second, leave a rating and a review on whatever app you are listening on. We are an all-five-star reviewed podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. And the more we fill that thing up, the more great reviews you continue to leave, uh, the more the show can grow, the more people find us. It, it does help. Uh, it does help the show grow. So I appreciate everybody who has left a comment so far because, honestly, it incredibly nice comments so far. So thank you so much, Morning People. Uh, I appreciate you, and let's keep it rolling by leaving those ratings and reviews if you haven't you know, taken a second to do it yet. So those are my big two asks. Let's jump into it. And you know what reminded me to do those at the top of the show was that Tony hit us up in the email, and he had a very simple email for us. Tony said, time for Red Hot Ahmed Rosario? Question mark. You know what, Tony? I, ooh, is it time to flip the switch? Did, did Ahmed Rosario flip the switch on Ahmed Rosario? Uh, he goes four for four in this one. Uh, you know, a huge spark plug offensively, even though, you know, only amounts to two runs. So, you know, it didn't really get the offense going the way Terry Francona predicted it would. Uh, time to flip the switch? I don't know if I could do it after one game. I don't know, Tony. It's a great one. It's a great game from him. I don't know if I could flip the switch after one game yeah i've been supportive of ahmed rosario in the past on this podcast since we made the francisco lindor trade i have been supportive because i I, it's hard i understand where for gets stuck because it is hard to turn away 
and where the franchise gets stuck. It's hard to turn away from Ahmed Rosario. Like he produces just enough where you're you're just intrigued, you're interested. It keeps you coming back for more. And yet you know it's not he's not playing at the elite level that of shortstop that you got all those years from Lindor. So uh, you're wondering what prospect might be able to hit that ceiling, you know, uh, between Jimenez and Arias and Rocchio and you know all the names. They, they keep going. Juan Brito, it keeps going all the way down uh, to, I mean, to people out in like, you know, the 19-year-olds that we're signing right now in the Dominican Republic. Like, I'm sure there's a name down there that somebody who really knows prospects is like, oh, this guy is going to be the next guy. Because that's what we do. We sign middle infielders. Um, but yeah, uh, Ahmed Rosario does, he's he's intriguing because when he does get going, the hits and the base running and the speed and the hustle, there's something intriguing about it. So is this the game where he flipped it? Maybe I would have to see this for a whole week, Tony. I may, a whole week of this, maybe then we could officially flip the switch on Ahmed Rosario and say it's time to really kick this offense into gear. One game. All right, it was, it was fun. Let's see what he's got the rest of the week. Now that now, okay. So I've been supportive of Mohamed Rosario in the past, but if you notice, I have been a little bit critical of where he's been hitting lately. Not that Ahmed Rosario shouldn't be in there. Uh, I did like some people suggested on Guardians Twitter, like, do you have to start him against every right-hander, uh, knowing he's going to chase those sliders down and away? maybe platoon a little bit more to get some guys at bats. I mean, the fact that Tyler Freeman is up here, and you've heard it on the other podcasts, you've seen it on the other Twitter accounts, everybody's angry about this. The fact that Tyler Freeman has been called up and doesn't have an at bat yet. That's crazy. You took a guy that was red hot in triple A, brought him up here to sit on the bench, and don't give him an at bat. Same thing with Fry. They brought him up here, David Fry, to hit lefties, you get in a situation late in this game, runners first and third, a left-handed pitcher comes in to face Josh Naylor, and you don't go to the bench where you have two right-handed hitters sitting there waiting to hit a lefty. And instead, uh, you know, Rosario ends the, or not Rosario, uh, Naylor ends the inning. Uh, so, Francona, I appreciate how much he supports his players. And he I, there was a quote from him, something about uh, in September, this is going to be his lineup. And Ahmed Rosario is going to be hitting second for this team. And whatever happens between now and then happens. But that's how it's going to be. I, the rigidity, I, I appreciate him standing behind his players. And he said tonight, he said in the postgame tonight, he doesn't believe in you know stirring up the, the lineup. Uh, maybe the way some of the other managers in the American League Central are doing right now. It seems like Minnesota and Detroit has just been throwing different lineups at us every day. He doesn't believe in that. He like he puts guys in their spot and he expects them to perform, or he expects them to eventually perform, right? To to reach the back of their baseball card, what they're supposed to be. That's what Francona expects from his guys. So he's not gonna he's not gonna drop Emmett Rosario down to seventh in the lineup and give someone else a chance to hit second that's just he straight up said it so uh <laughs> I do want to see Ahmed Rosario continue to play I do enjoy when Ahmed Rosario gets hot and takes off and I I, I appreciate what the offense can look like with Ahmed Rosario hitting but uh I, I think Francona's being a, a slightly 
you know, slightly ab- above normally rigid when it comes to the lineup this season. So uh, thank you, Tony, for the email. Clearly, uh, it sparked a few minutes of uh, thought from me. All right, now let's get into the storylines of this game. Okay, Divi, why was this game so bizarre? Why are you so fascinated by this game? And it's because of it's not because Ahmed Rosario went four for four. That was fantastic. It was because of what Shane Bieber was doing out there on the mound. Now, the final line on Bieber, six innings pitched, seven hits, no runs, only one walk, and nine strikeouts on 101 pitches. He is hard hit because his hard hit rate is up. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times on the day. And I'll tell you, a lot of those seven base hits were hard hit balls. I mean, in the... uh, in the first inning, Riley Green at 114.4 mile per hour single. Oof, that is smoked. Uh, in the second inning, uh, Badu hits 195.2. Uh, Verlings is at 91.2. Uh, their singles in the uh, bottom of the and the uh, top of the third inning. The last out of the third inning comes on a Spencer Torkelson single where they end up throwing Javi Baez out at the plate. A beautiful defensive play. Torkelson's was at 105 mile per hour exit velocity. So, uh, Badu in the fourth inning, 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity to lead off that inning. So, they were hitting the ball hard off of him. Uh, there's more. I could keep going. Uh, so, when they were getting hits, they, it was. I mean, we're looking at most of these, what, were 100 plus? They were squaring them up, but... Once they got a guy on, Bieber turned into a strikeout machine. Just, I mean, literally turned into 2020 Shane Bieber. Uh, Riley Green with a one-out single in the first, strikes out Javi Baez, strikes out Nick Maton. Uh, Then two guys get on in the second. He's really up against it. Uh, Baez gets on with a fielder's choice, but then he strikes out Jake Rogers with a bases loaded we saw this before uh for some reason the second inning seems to be the inning uh it happened with Cal Quantrill where he loaded the bases in the second inning in his last start was that Sunday and then gets out of it uh without giving up a run so he strikes out Jake Rogers that's the that is will always be the thing about Shane Bieber other pitchers get into trouble like this they have to give up sack flies they they give up a run here and there uh maybe a fielder's choice no, with uh, with Shane Bieber, that strikeout is always looming, so he can always get out of these situations. It's also why he can't go, why he doesn't go deep into games because he gets himself in these situations and then has to work strikeouts, which take a lot of pitches. Uh, so he only that's why he only goes six innings and throws 101 pitches. Uh, so it gets Rodgers to strike out and then McKinstry to fly out to end the threat. Uh, it looked off the bat, it looked like it might be. Uh, it might be something McKinstry's fly out, but he ends up flying out to basically the warning track to Brennan in right field. Uh, it only had a, a .060 expected batting average, it, so it kind of died out there on the warning track. I don't know which direction the wind was blowing in or anything from right field. I don't know. didn't see the flags, but uh, McKinstry, yeah, flies out. Zero out of 30 ballparks it would have been a home run, so really uh, a good job of getting him to fly out there. Uh, in the, uh, in the third inning, they get their leadoff man on, 
uh, via the walk, and he's able to get out of it because of a fantastic defensive play. So he walks the tightrope in the third inning. He does give up the hit. It looks like they're going to tie the game 1-1, but Brennan comes up firing and a beautiful throw to Cam Gallagher who dives across the plate to tag out Javi Baez on a bang-bang play. He was absolutely out. Uh, he got that tag on him before the hand kind of swam in there to the back corner of the plate. So the first two innings, it's a one-out base runners. If starting here in the third inning, the third through the sixth inning, it's the leadoff man on to start each inning. Four innings in a row, he lets the leadoff man on starting in the third, and he gets out of it. But do singles in the fourth inning. Boom, strikes out Veerling. Fly out from Abanias, Rogers grounds out to end the threat. McKinstry gets on with a fielding error. Uh, Jimenez can't field it cleanly. Maybe he's rushing because McKinstry's the leadoff hitter, a speedy runner. Maybe he's rushing a little bit, but a fielding error. And then he strikes out the side in the fifth inning. Strikes out. And this is their two, three, and four hitters. I don't know why Nick Maton is hitting fourth, but he is. Bieber strikes out Riley Green, Javi Baez, Nick Maton. And then in the sixth inning, it's back-to-back singles to lead off the inning. Boom strikes out Veerling and gets a Bonnie as a hit into a ground ball double play. So Jimenez gets a little bit of redemption, turning the starting the double play right here. So he gets out of it in the sixth when he's up at 100 pitches. And I mean, really working to finish this thing off and get out of this thing with the shutout intact. So just absolutely incredible. That was the what. Now how about the how? How did he do this? Uh, well, he did it by getting them to expand the strike zone. Going over to the player breakdown page, he threw the slider in the cutter more than the four-seam fastball in the day, but still mixed in some change-ups and knuckle curves. I mean, really used all his pitches on this one. And the whiff rate, especially on the slider, 18 swings on 31 pitches, 18 swings, 9 whiffs for a 50% whiff rate on that slider, add in four called strikes for a 42% CSW. He's got a 35% CSW on the cutter, a 48% CSW on the four-seam fastball, thanks to 11 called strikes. No whiffs on the four-seam fastball, but 11 called strikes. Uh, so he's a 40% total CSW on the day. By the way, the knuckle curve had a 100% whiff rate. Five swings, five whiffs. On the knuckle curve. Most of those came from Nick Maton, by the way. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. He's getting them to go out of the zone. The O swing was 41%. So, of the pitches that were out of the strike zone, 41% of the time, they were swinging at him. In comparison, on the other side, Lorenzen. Now, Lorenzen was throwing strikes like crazy. It's absolutely insane uh, how many strikes this guy threw. But the Guardians were going outside the zone 46% of the time. So, similar. However, when the Guardians went out of the strike zone, they were at least making contact. Whether that's fair or foul, they were making contact at an 84% rate. Okay. So, even when they expanded the zone, at least they were able to put the bat on the ball. When the Tigers expanded the zone, 41 times, 41% of the time on outside the zone pitches, they swung at it. And their outside the zone contact percentage was only 20 9%. He was getting them to swing and miss out of the strike zone. And it's a beautiful thing. And I could pull up some of the matchups. I especially want to pull up that uh, fifth inning when he uh, he gives up the uh, 
The leadoff, uh, McKinstry gets on via the error, so he gives up that leadoff base runner. By the way, most of the things that hit were hit were things that came back into the strike zone. So when they were in the strike zone. So he starts him off uh, with a ball up and away, gets him a called strike on a pitch that's way out there. I don't know how this is a called strike unless this is a stack cast error. It's four or five baseballs off the plate away, and it's a called strike. Then throws a changeup on the plate that's hit at 101.6 towards Jimenez for that fielding error. So they got their leadoff guy on that brings up Riley Green. Uh, and he attacks him with all cutters. Just challenges him down and in with cutters. Bieber was throwing mostly down and in uh, to those lefties down to his glove side for most of the day. It's actually surprising. It looks like it looks a lot like a left-hander, obviously with the reverse slant. But a lot of those left-handers have that slant in their pitch chart where they're going from high uh, arm side to low glove side. And that's exactly what Bieber has, obviously, going the other direction. Um, so he attacks him with a cutter in, he fouls it off. Attacks him with another cutter in, he fouls it off. Goes third time to the cutter, and this one at the knees, and he swings over it for a strikeout. McKinstry does steal second. That's the other thing that makes what Bieber was doing so spectacular. Not only was he letting these guys on, but they were stealing like crazy on Cam Gallagher. They had three stolen bases on him on the day. So he strikes him on here, but the runner does move up to second. Javi Baez is now up, throws him five sliders in a row, all down and away. Throws the first one on the outside edge, swings through it for strike one, throws one way away in the dirt. Uh, remember, this is with a runner standing on second. Gallagher's blocking all of this stuff. Throws it in the dirt, doesn't chase it. Comes back with another one on the outside edge that he follows off. Goes back to the dirt. He lays off it. Goes back to the dirt a third time in the at-bat. All sliders, and this one he chases. It's like Bieber knew. He's like, no, this is the pitch you are going to strike out on. I am getting you on this slider. And sure enough, Javi Baez, you know, does it. He does it. He falls for it. He chases this slider down and in the dirt. And then Nick Maton comes up the lefty, throws him four knuckle curves in a row before finally getting him on the on the slider. Throws him a knuckle curve down in the dirt that he swings over for strike one. Throws another knuckle curve right at the knees that he swings over for strike two. Two more knuckle curves in the dirt. And he lays off both of them and then mixes it up just a little bit Throws the slider at the knees, and it's a called strike three. Is it a little bit below the knees? Meh, maybe, but it was a wide strike zone all night for Shane Bieber. And he strikes out the side after uh, McKinstry gets on with the error. I mean, just unbelievable how sharp he got once those guys got on base. Uh, Verling, the last strikeout, the ninth strikeout. Uh, he challenges him with a four-seam fastball to start the at-bat that he fouls off. Throws another four-seam fastball. I don't know why he doesn't swing at it, but it's at the thighs, kind of middle of the plate, and he takes it for a called strike two. He's down in the count 0-2. Throws him that slider in the dirt, and he uh, doesn't chase it. Throws him a knuckle curve in the dirt, and this time he can't resist. It's, it's like Bieber every time. Every time. I can't tell you how many times I heard that combination, where it was one in the dirt, where he doesn't chase, maybe a check swing, he doesn't chase, throws him another one, doubles down on it, and this time they can't resist, and they chase. So that was his final strikeout of the day, 
was another curveball in the dirt. Going, let's go over to the Illustrator. I just want to take a, a peek at where uh, all of these strikeouts were. Uh, I'm guessing, yep, not one in the strike zone. They're literally all at the knees or below. Uh, maybe the fourth inning, uh, he gets Verling on a called strike three. This is a slider right at the knees. Everything else is sliders and curves and one cutter, uh, that one to Riley Green, all at the knees or below. Three of them in the dirt. So just getting them, again, to expand the strike zone, to go out of the strike zone and chase. Both Karinchek's strikeouts are out of the strike zone. Hench's one strikeout is out of the strike zone. Just all day long, the Tigers were chasing. So, uh, I mean, just absolutely unbelievable from Shane Bieber. And then, so I go to his splits, and I'm just curious. I wished it doesn't give me a chance. I don't know StatCast good enough to figure out how to isolate uh, what Bieber was doing with the bases empty versus with runners on base or runners in scoring position. But what I can tell you, I can go over to his uh, his individual StatCast page. They do have the splits here, and I'm guessing StatCast is pretty good at updating, so I'm guessing this is update with today's game. Uh, with the bases empty, he's faced 113 batters with the bases empty. He's got a whip of 1.6. He's given up four home runs with the bases empty. He's given up 11 walks with the bases empty. With... Runners on base, he has not given up a home run yet. He's only given up four walks with a runner on base, uh, frankly. And I'm, it seems to be a runner at second. He's walked through with that base empty. Uh, with runners in scoring position, so his whip was 1.6. Remember, walks, hits per inning pitched. So giving up hits, giving up walks when the bases are empty. With a runner in scoring position... His whip goes down to a 0.65. In 62 batters face, he's only given up nine hits. And he's given up no home runs. He's only walked two. He's got 15 strikeouts with a runner in scoring position. Absolutely dominant. Turns into a different pitcher. I mean, it is night and day. Bases empty versus a runner on. So it seems like if it seems like Bieber is always working with somebody on base and he's always up against it, and he's always fighting through these innings, it's because he is. It's because he absolutely is this season, and somehow he's making it work. He he is a true pitcher. Honest to God, this guy goes out there on the mound and puts in the work. He's ridiculously intelligent. Uh, Hamilton was waxing poetic about his ability to, you know, make adjustments to his pitches in game and stuff like that. If, if something's not working, figuring out how to make it work. Uh, so uh, he went on a long uh, speech about that. And yeah, you see it in this game. You absolutely see it. Uh, the dominance of his off-speed stuff, the swing and miss that he gets, that this guy gets, it's pretty incredible. So that is all the amazing things I can say about Shane Bieber on this day. Uh Karinchek surprisingly comes in in a high-leverage situation. Once again, the Guardians don't make life easy for themselves, and they're playing a one-run game the entire day until they finally scratch across one more in the eighth inning. I, I don't know why they do this to themselves. Uh, 
Uh, and it's to start the game. They start the game the exact same way that they started Monday's game. Quan with a double, Ahmed Rosario with a single. It's hit too sharply, so Quan can't score from second. Uh, so runners on first and third. This time, instead of heading into a double play, Ramirez flies out for a sack fly and drives in Quan that first run of the game. Uh, Ahmed Rosario kept hitting, but he was the only one. Him, Will Brennan, and Quan are the only three hitters in the lineup to record a hit. Ramirez goes 0 for 2 with a walk in the sack fly. Naylor 0 for 4, like I said, at the end of the game. He had runners on first and third. He doesn't pinch hit for him. He leaves Naylor in there, who, by the way, his batting average is down to 191 with a 548 OPS. As hard as we've been on Ahmed Rosario, we probably need to start being pretty hard on Josh Naylor because... I know I know Naylor wants to be an everyday guy. I know he had the support of the fans last year. We wanted to see him in there in high leverage situations. It is not working right now for Josh Naylor. It it is absolutely not. He's having some rough, rough at bats. 191 with a 548 OPS, and he's our cleanup hitter. It's not like Josh Bell is doing much better behind him, but 222 with a 696 OPS. 696, last time I checked, is a lot better than 548. Uh, Bell goes 0 for 3 on the day. Jimenez goes 0 for 3 on the day. Straw goes 0 for 3 on the day. Brennan was actually 2 for 3. Well, that was nice to see. He gets the hit that sparks the little rally in the 8th inning. Uh, Gallagher can't do anything with it. Quan uh, can't do anything with it. And Gallagher actually pops up a bunt after uh, Brennan had stole second. Uh, Gallagher pops up a bunt. Quan strikes out looking. And then Ahmed Rosario delivers his fourth hit of the day. This time he absolutely smokes a triple over the right fielder's head. 97.3 mile per hour. Exit velocity. Uh, no chance of catching this for the right fielder. Who was out there for, uh, for the Tigers? But Ahmed Rosario absolutely flying around the bases and uh verling was out there and comes up with his triple it scores brennan it gives them the insurance run they intentionally walk jose ramirez and naylor like i said pinch hit situation here instead he grounds out to end the threat um doesn't doesn't even hit it good 70 oh that's right he chopped it like off the plate 78.5 exit velocity minus 55 degree launch angle uh so literally chopped it right into the plate and uh, Baez guns him out. So that's your offense. That's it. I mean, it's great to see Ahmed Rosario come alive. But two runs, it, they've been doing this for for a while now. Right? Was Boston the last time they had a big game and they ended up losing that one? So uh, it's this offense... I. It's so frustrating. It's so maddening because you know there's talent there. Like, I understand Francona's stubbornness because I agree with him. If you ask me which one of these guys needs to go, I would have a hard time benching any of them because they do have track records. I want to see them come out of this freeze that they're in. I want to see them thaw out and start to hit. But something, something has to give. Give Maybe just giving Tyler Freeman and uh, Gabriel Arias at bats in this lineup is the answer. Maybe going down and getting a red-hot catcher in Bo Naylor is the answer. 
because uh, obviously Cam Gallagher is hitting 061. Now, call the fantastic game, played fantastic defense, could not throw a guy out to save his life stealing second. Couldn't do it. But at least blocked every one of those sliders and curveballs in the dirt. And, uh, you know, protected Shane Bieber that way. So that is valuable, but I got to imagine Bo Naylor's an athletic kid. I haven't heard reports on his defense yet, but I got to imagine he's getting close to being ready. So maybe that's the spark the offense needs. Maybe Bo being here would unlock Josh Naylor. Maybe the older brother, you know, the competition between brothers would literally heat them both up. So something has to give with this offense. It just, they can't be this historically bad. Uh, They can't. We know there's more of an offensive team in here even if they have to do it the Guardians' way and scratch across runs. Do it in multiple innings, score four runs in a game, and we'll be fine with it. All right, Uh, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, I'm going to remember today. I'm going to remember my own segment, which I forgot the the last three days, MVP on the day. Ahmed Rosario, look, four for four, it's a beautiful thing, but they didn't bring you across the score once. Uh, you do have an RBI mixed in there, but MVP on the day's got to go to Shane Bieber. I mean, the six shutout innings, the nine strikeouts, it was an unconventional way of going about uh, that quality start, but hey, it was it was way more than a quality start. It was a fantastic ace-level start from Shane Bieber, despite making it increasingly difficult on himself every inning. Uh, so MVP on the day is going to Shane Bieber. Yeah. We got a chance to at least win the series. I know, I know that's like winning series against the American League Central kind of feels like a consolation prize at this point. But, but at least, I mean, at least it's fun for the day, right? Hey, we we won today. We can all walk out of the ballpark high fiving each other today. So, I know my podcast is very, you know, micro, whereas other podcasts are looking at the macro. They're looking at the much larger picture. And where this team stands. But I at least enjoyed this one. I definitely was not bored by this game. This game was entertaining. In the weirdest way possible. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thanks for going on the journey with this specific game with me. Hopefully we can win the series. It'll at least give a few more positive vibes. Two series wins in a row. uh, To do it. To do it, we got a day game and we got to face Detroit's best pitcher in Rodriguez, the lefty. That means Gabriel Arias has to be in the lineup somewhere, right? Uh, and we got Badenfield on the mound, who wasn't too shabby his last time out. It wasn't great. Well, he still was looking for that first win, but uh, wasn't too shabby his last time out. So Badenfield's going to have to battle the ace of Detroit's staff to see uh, there's a lot on this, right? There's a lot on the line. Winning the series. Uh, staying above Detroit in the standings, inching back towards 500 ourselves. So there's a lot, you know, it's it's, it's a big game for, uh, for May 10th. Um, all right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's your Guardians 2, the Tigers nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Like I said, let me know your thoughts. Have you ever seen a game like this? where a pitcher was just working through it uh, the entire game. We'll discuss it on the show. 
If you think the f the switch is officially flipped on uh, Ahmed Rosario, let us know. Let us let Tony know. Let us know uh, if you if you're calm. The switch flipped on him, and uh, we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show, like an old school radio show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.